Welcome to Paradox Culture Podcast. We're so glad you're back with us uh, for Season 3, Episode 3. And uh, as always, Paradox Culture is where we talk about when our words and life don't always say the same thing. So as always, I have my faithful, trusty co-host with me, Philip Blancardi. Hello, Philip. How's it going? So glad that you're here today. <coughs> and uh, today is going to be, well, our last episode was pretty heavy as we were talking about culture and today kind of continues that trend where we're going to be more talking about culture versus paradox but the culture itself is a paradox so uh, we're going to be diving into some weighty stuff today and uh, I'm excited about this topic unfortunately with podcasting we can't cover the whole topic unless we were going to be Joe Rogan or somebody like that <laughs> and stay here for four hours but we're not going to do that to you but as always, we like to start out with our warm-up question, okay? So we announced last the first episode of Season 3. Yeah. So if you didn't hear the announcement, you can go back and hear this. But <coughs> Philip and Amy are going to be parents, finally. Finally. <laughs> uh, we've been praying that Philip would get right with the Lord and be fruitful and multiply. And so that is taking place, finally. So... Now that you're going to be a dad, in fact, you are going to find out what the gender of the child is. Yes. Today. As, as a, yes, today. As not, we not record this, not as you're listening to this. Yeah, as we were, are recording this, I find out today, later tonight, what the gender is. Yes. So, being that Philip is going <coughs> to be a dad, my warm-up question for Philip, and by the way, you'll have to come back for <laughs> episode number four. To find out what the baby's gender, gender is. Yes. So, um, <coughs> but because you're a dad, I want to hear what is your favorite dad joke? Oh, geez. Quick Google. I don't know dad jokes. Oh, you do. No, I don't. Come I mean, on. I guess I need to get prepared because I don't have any like just up my sleeve. You need to get get ready for this. I feel like dad jokes just happen, though. I don't feel like anyone like loads up on dad jokes. I feel like dads j just say things that they think are funny, and they're just not, and there makes it a dad joke. So one one of I'm the sure we can look I'll, I'll up, help though. you out. Okay, here here's <laughs> you have one. dad jokes I at have, the ready. I have learned <laughs> over the years. Yes. Uh, okay. One of the the famous dad jokes is when your kids come to you and they say, "I'm hungry." What is your response? I'm assuming it's high hungry. I'm <laughs> dad. Exactly. There you can see you're, you're already you're natural. You'll you'll take right to this, no problem. So anything okay. like that you can find. Um, I just recently heard one uh, about Peter Pan. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I don't remember how it went, <laughs> but it was like. <laughs> it was why does Peter Pan always fly? Yes, that's what it was. It's because he never lands. There you go. I think that's how it went. That's I'm probably it went. butchering it. William, no. did, William did a better job William telling William was helping us, us with this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I stole it from him. <laughs> William and did totally a better forgot. job. Um, but I'm going to give a shout out to one of our faithful faithful listeners of the podcast. Uh, he <coughs> His name is Jordy Crow. And Jordy is actually in my life group class. Oh, yeah. Good Jordy, old Jordy is a dad to be himself. Yeah. And he is totally embraced. When is their baby due? Uh, like any day now. So oh, really for close. real. Oh, yeah, okay. It's getting really close. I didn't realize it was that close. Um, but he, he, I follow him on Facebook. And so if you want some great <laughs> dad jokes, 
He's the king. He's Jordy the king. is also a meme lord. Yes, he is. He posts some great memes. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> shout out to Jordy Crow. He's a great <laughs> Jordy. If you get a lot of friend requests, <laughs> that's why. But well, <laughs> he's, he's going to do a great <laughs> job and hook you up with some good dad jokes. In fact, I was going to look him up to see what his latest one was, but uh, take too long to get there. So. It's because you're old. You don't know how to use am, your phone. I don't know how to use my phone. <laughs> so, <coughs> I need a millennial to teach me. What else is new, right? Right. Uh, so, anyway, <laughs> to da- today we're going to go past dad jokes. If you have dad jokes, though, we, we are all, all uh, fans of dad jokes around here. So, please, uh, you know, message us on our, our – here's <laughs> one right here. You got one? Yeah, it's just a little comic strip, and it says, hey, would it be cool if I turned on the AC? And then the two characters look at each other, and the one responds, what else would it be? <laughs> Get it? Do no. you get it? Would it be cool if I turned on the AC? Cool, I got it. What else would it be? Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty good one. That's awesome. He's that awesome one, like that. That one's from Bad Dad Jokes. So if you're looking for dad jokes, which I guess I should be doing. You should. I need to follow that page. You, you've got a little time, though. I mean, you've got a, about a year, year and a half before they really start uh, listening to you. Yeah, I got time to, I guess, practice up on that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so welcome to fatherhood, and we are excited to find out what baby Blancardi is. We're pulling for a boy still, by the way. Just still praying for a boy. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's already been decided. There's nothing really to pray yep. about now. I'm just sovereignty God I'm really just praying happened. I get, I don't want to say good news, because if I have a daughter and she hears this later, which probably won't, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to be like it was bad news that it was a girl. Uh, yeah, that's that, not what I'm trying that, to say. Oh, well, he, he, I'm just letting him dig, folks. Just <laughs> let, let him dig yeah, down deep. This will be my last uh, week on this <laughs> podcast. Well, hopefully, Amy doesn't <laughs> listen to this episode. <coughs> anyway, so Jordy, if you get a lot of followers, also, if you have some great dad jokes, please, <coughs> please, please post on Paradox Culture on Facebook or Insta, and uh, we would love to hear your dad jokes. Um, so. Please do that. We'd love to interact with you in that way. All right, so to dive in, because that was uh, starting us off in a very lighthearted way, we're going to dive into some deep topics, and today we want to talk about, or today's episode, I would say, is entitled My Truth. So as we continue to talk about culture and the culture that we live (coughs) in and look at culture from a worldview, but also look at us as believers and how we live in this culture and and like we mostly talk about is how sometimes when we as Christians live in our culture, the way we live does not match the way we believe or say we believe. And but today we're gonna kinda take it from a little bit different perspective in that talking uh, look looking more at the culture that we're living in. Mm-hmm. And so we live <coughs> in a culture now of where we have this moral relativity and people come to truth as a personalization of truth, that it is my truth. And so we're going to kind of scratch the surface on this topic of (coughs) of, uh, meta-ethics and diving into that, and specifically when it comes to moral moral relativism and kind of talking through that and how we as Christians respond to that, uh, how we live in that. Um, so it's kind of where we're going to be. 
I've got some great resources. Um, the One Minute Apologist has some good stuff on this. Uh, and cross-examined Frank Turek. I mentioned him in the last episode. Uh, again, another apolog apologist that does a good job of kind of breaking some of these things down and looking at them for you. I think also um, Campus Crusade does a good job mm -hmm. on their website of answering some of these questions. So, uh, But Bob Perry, he's an, a Christian apologist, and he, he wrote some things that I really liked, and so I kind of uh, want to give him um, the credit he deserves, and some of the things that I'll be quoting are from his blog that I read on this topic. So <coughs> anyway, he said this, Our view of objective truth affects everything about how we live our lives. It is an antidote to moral relativism. Truth matters, and understanding the prof uh, prof can't say that word profundity <laughs> of that simple fact revolutionizes the way we interact with our world. So basically, understanding that objective truth trumps our moral relativism. Mm really sets us on a path of how we're going to live our life. So there's two trajectories, basically. Right. Whether you yourself are the moral agent that decides morality, <coughs> or is there something outside of you that has determined what morality is. Right. So that's kind of where we're at today. In our culture today, as many of you know, listening and watching this podcast, you've either come across someone who has shared their truth, or you've heard this explained to you. It doesn't mean that to say that all of us can have different experiences in life, but sometimes we automatically assume, and I would even say falsely assume, that our experience is the foundation of reality. So, can you experience something, but it not be, it was real to you, but maybe not be a norm? That was a very warm-up question than the dad joke. So, I guess really where I, I guess when you say real versus true, that can maybe be a hang-up. Because... Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example, kind of what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So let's say that I, I drive a certain type of car. Let's, one of the cars I've driven in the past, that this actually happened. So let's say I drive <coughs> a Ford Explorer, and at 100,000 miles, my transmission went out. Right. So my experience is that Ford Explorer's transmissions go out on you. At 100,000. At 100,000 miles. Right. But I can't say that that is definitive truth. Right, right. And it that's why I guess where I was going with the real and true thing. Right. Like, it is a real thing that happened, but your statement is not true. Exactly. It right. cannot apply to right. all those things. Right. Correct. It is my personal experience. doesn't necessarily mean <coughs> it's across the board truth. Right. 
So this is where this topic gets real sticky for people. Right, exactly. And we have, you know, we've heard people say to us when it comes to truth, that may be your truth, mm-hmm. but it's not mine. Right. And I think a lot of times because we make these statements in such in such minuscule categories mm. that we kind of inevitably train ourselves to kind of think this way when even when it comes to bigger things. Mm-hmm. You know, like the transmission thing, like, yeah, you know, that's kind of a like who cares if you say that? Like sure, whatever. Okay, what fine. Yeah. But when you apply it to deeper if things. If you begin to practice relative morality or relative truth and that becomes a habit or that becomes something that you be get in the practice of doing when it comes to topics like what we're talking about here today, then it can be worrisome. When it comes to worldview and how you live your life and see the world, right. It becomes a little it becomes very problematic. Oh yeah. I mean you see I mean we see it happening today with just a cultural climate, political climate. We see it in our spiritual walks when we have conversations with people see it in our churches now yeah we're seeing it in churches or see it you know when we have our discipleship conversations and it is one of those things you know i think another problem is becoming more popular too like mm-hmm. to s- speak your truth you know well i think <coughs> and i don't necessarily want to say that I- anyone or everyone again using a totalitarian <laughs> statement right that has ever said to me, well, that might be true for you, but it's not true for me, statement. Mm-hmm. Right. I think w- it's been that kind of statement has falsely been been attached to some sort of kindness. Right. Right. There's, there's, there's this sense that if I say that or say, that, well, this is my truth, mm-hmm. then I try th- – It's it makes, it, it makes me as a person – sound more open-minded right of course but it's a false open-mindedness mm-hmm. yeah well i mean and another thing you know i mean we're obviously always the generation of people today is seeking not to offend anyone you know and you know i was watching something a documentary the other day and it was talking about or maybe it was a pastor i was listening to and he was saying how you know we don't like to offend people, you know, and but Jesus is very offensive. And even that statement, I'm like, well, yeah, OK, sure. But you don't have to. That doesn't mean you have to teach everyone that they have to go out and offend everybody. <laughs> the right. idea is that if we are going to follow the truth that we believe, we may potentially offend people. Right. Not that I should go out and purposely been like, you know what? I'm going to say something rude to you because Jesus was offensive. You know, like or that is not. But. That's that's the other side of that, right? That Those things paired, all of these things kind of together lead to this place of, well, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to be offensive. Like, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. And we water down the message that we have because we are we find ourselves in this place of relative truth. And like, well, I don't want to tell you that you're wrong. And I don't want to tell you that, you know, what you believe is incorrect. But so I'll say it this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's help define some and goodness and, and people going back <coughs> to what you're just saying. If we're truth is uh, you've heard people, these assumptions that come in our culture. So assum- one assumption is that truth is based on your personal experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Truth is. 
what you believe in your reality, okay, like, okay, this is, you know, that's your truth, this is my truth, that statement, that's an assumption the culture makes. Another assumption that the culture makes is about goodness, right? What is good? And a lot of times in our culture nowadays, we are hearing, well, you've heard <laughs> you heard phrases like, don't legislate morality. Mm-hmm. Or... Mm-hmm. Um, your morals don't impose your morals on you. And the reason people say that is because they're basing falsely the assumption that truth is based on a personal, that they them themselves are the moral agent. Right. Or them themselves. Like I dictate what's good and bad. Are, yes. The agent that determines morality. Right. And so that's where that goodness, and, and it comes to this maybe argument um, that would say, well, you're, you know, don't don't put your values on me. Mm-hmm. You know, if if the value only comes from the human agent, right. So, uh, just to, co- to help define some terms, okay. So, cultural relevi- relativism or moral relativism could be defined <coughs> in a couple ways. A place <laughs> where uh, it's a place where pe- we are supposed to accept. This is what happens in our cultural relativism. A place. We live in. They want us to live in a place or culture or time where we are supposed to accept the ideas that everyone's opinions about every topic are equally valued mm-hmm. or valid. 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 Right. Because you can value somebody as a person, but disagree. Yeah, of with course. Their I think realistically, that's the way we should. We should. Yeah. We should treat people as. Right. <laughs> um, moral relativism says. Um, every person's moral views would be equally right on an individual level. Mm -hmm. Which on its face, I mean, think think about, this is what aggravates me. And this is what I encourage our listeners to do. Uh, I might have mentioned this on episode one. Is like, I feel like we live in a culture that doesn't ask questions or challenge people to listen to what they say out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. That statement to say that moral relativism is a view that everyone's equally right on an individual level is an, is an impossibility. Right. It doesn't make any sense. It divides. It's the law of contradiction. <laughs> it defies that law. Right. You know, you're going to contradict one or another eventually. Mm-hmm. Very quickly, actually. Yeah, m- much more quickly. What's your favorite color? Blue, red. Yep, there you go. Yeah, what's the best color? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, sure, I, I like I like orange. Right now, you like blue. Right now, I like blue. <laughs> See what I, I did? Yeah, there. I got that. Dad joke. <laughs> Is that a dad joke? Does that count? Man, probably probably <laughs> close. <laughs> I think that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, keeping it light, everybody. We went deep and it's bringing <laughs> it back to the surface. Take a little breath. Okay, here we go. So... It just can't. That this is the law of uh, non-contradiction, actually. So that contradicts itself. Right. Uh, that everyone's individual morality can be equally right. Mm-hmm. Another thing it says it means that the agent or person determines what is moral. Uh, what is moral absent or outside of influence? So they basically that I determine morality and I'm not affected 
by outside influences. As a believer, we would say what determines morality for us is the Holy Spirit and God. Mm-hmm. Right? right, yeah. That God has set a standard. We are created in his image, and he has created all authority is in him, and he is above all. Right. And so he sets the moral standard, not us as individuals. We look at this was challenged if we read scripture Genesis 3 is the challenge and where moral relativity comes into play it's what Satan used to bring Adam and Eve down right right yeah it's not a new concept it's not everybody new. it's <laughs> not not welcome to 2021 and all of a sudden here we are and how did we get here well it's been here since the fall of man Adam and Eve, although God said, hey, you know, I'm going to provide everything for you, everything that you need, I'm going to provide for you. Um, and the only thing you have to do is trust me and not eat of the f- uh, fruit of the tree of the fruit. <laughs> I'll get it right in a minute. The <laughs> don't eat the fruit <laughs> of the tree of good. Did I say that? I, I keep messing that up. <laughs> Help, I'm drowning. I believe in you. You believe it? Sorry, I, I get was it taking. Out. I was taking some notes to make sure. No, I get he's writing cartoons over here, making fun of me. <laughs> Do not eat of the tree of good, of the knowledge of good and evil. There we go. There you go. Got, you got it, it out. I did it. Wait Yay. on the knowledge word. Yes, um, <laughs> I am educated. You are a smart boy. Um. So, but. And what did Satan attack when he when he came into the garden? The first thing he challenges is he says, one, did God really say that? Right. Like, if you <coughs> eat of this tree, you know, you'll die. Right. Wait, did God really say that? Right. Let's see if that's true. So he questions truth he's right, off, right, right off the, the jump. Bat. He's questioning truth. Right. And, hey, why don't you find out for yourself what is true to you? Mm-hmm. So right at the beginning, we have this concept of relative morality. And Adam and Eve fell for it in pride, which led to sin, because they wanted to be like God. Right. Satan wanted to be like God. They fought, They bought Satan's lie that, hey, if you eat this, you'll be like God. Mm-hmm. You know. So we have this problem. Um, now, here's, the, here's another thing. A major problem what happens with moral relativism is if the agent, the person, is the person the one creating morality, what happens when that person changes his mind? Yeah, well, now it's not true anymore. Well, now morality changes. Yeah. What, oh, was, I, once, what was once right is now wrong. Right. I, I, I'm changing my mind. I don't, I don't believe that anymore. Right. You know, think about this. The morality of, let's go to extremes. People like to go to extremes. Let's <laughs> go to extremes. Hitler says it's okay for me to kill you. Right. Or in Hitler's morality, it would be he would kill you. Mm-hmm. He would think it'd be okay to kill you. Is he wrong? He's determining what's right and wrong. Yeah, if we're going on the concept of relative truth and relative moralism. So how can we call him wrong? Right. Let's take it to our culture today. A big and uh, and we believe this is wrong based on the Christian worldview, but racism. Right. 
if we're the individual agents of morality, how can racism be wrong? Right. Wait a minute, but that, the argument would be, well, that restricts humanity, so it automatically is wrong, or that is a, a crime against humanity itself. Right, but now, but again, then we be, and you end up establishing these rules that now everyone's supposed to live by. If there's rules to humanity, rules of humanity, that cannot go along with the concept of I get to, that each individual has their own set of rules. Well, who came up with the rules? Because now you're establishing a set of rules that we all have to have. And maybe you established that those five rules are fair, but I want to have four, and I don't like one of those rules. So now I don't think so. It just becomes this big, and we kind of talked about it with the Weird Science episode last week, you know, this or two weeks ago, this episode. Like, the world is finding itself in a situation where it's like saying one thing and then wants to say another, and kind of this back and forth, like, trying to talk out of both ends of their mouth and you can't like you can't have even if we're just going to go off of like basic you can't even have a debate or a conversation with anybody like that because it's just change with the wind like just i'm just going to change my answer i'm going to change how i feel whenever i feel like it to make it fit like just be honest you don't want to follow the rules of morality you don't want to follow the rules of truth you want to go against that, and that's okay. But don't make this new set of thing like, well, you know, just whatever you feel like. Well, we would say it w- it's not okay, but in the culture, we, we would say it's okay because this is what the culture tells us. Right. right? The culture says this. The culture says similar phrases to be true to yourself. Mm-hmm. You do you. You know? If I do me, and the way I do me doesn't agree with the way you do you, that doesn't work. Right. Morali- morality breaks down. Be true to myself. Well, what if being true to myself harms or hinders you? Right. <coughs> well, then it matters, apparently. Right. So they, we can't have both. Right. Right? And that's that's something, I, that's the paradox in this culture that we're living in, and it, pun intended there you know it's it's it is what we're experiencing and you know a lot of our students are going off and listening to philosophy teachers and professors spout that there's no such thing as absolute truth Mm -hmm. so when they say that they're making an absolute statement right yeah exactly they've just contradicted themselves Uh, yeah absolutely another and, and going along with that that sentiment of be true to yourself do do you you know i think there's this idea that and the sentiment comes from follow your heart you and i've had these conversations before one one of the things that aggravates me is this is going to sound really bad to my listeners (laughs) i'm hesitating saying this actually i'm curious what you're going to say i just I feel like there's a lie that we have bought into that you can be and do anything you want to do. <laughs> dream killer. Trent I the dream killer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll give you an example oh of my, my life. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. Here's your, here's your I absolute truth. I am five truth. foot nine. 
That that is a truth. This is not my. Okay. It is my truth. Okay. But it is a physical truth. Okay. You okay. are five foot nine. I cannot dunk a basketball. Okay. Surprise, shocker. I know everybody should not be surprised by that. Unless it's an eight foot goal, then I can do it. But you're talking about normal ten foot. Normal ten foot regulation NBA goal. I cannot dunk. Correct. You cannot dunk. As much as I would want to play, if I fully believed that I can be an NBA player, I'm not gonna make it to the NBA. Well, probably not now. You're 52. Like you're not. <laughs> oh, easy. You're easy. Not, I'm not quite that old. You're way out the range. Haven't crest the hill of 50. But here's the thing: Do you not believe that someone that is five nine can make it to the NBA? Can make it to the NBA? Of course, and dunk a basketball. Webb, one of the few people ever to do it has done it. Yes. Right. So. I'm just saying. Maybe you here's here's the problem with your statement though. If you believe that you will not be able to do that, that's fine. But to say that no one else can is where the problem would come in. I just think that we peddle the lie sometimes that you can do anything you want to do. Man, I don't know. That should have been the opening question. <laughs> I I don't know if I agree with that or not. I guess I haven't really thought about it enough to really think of the implications of me stating one way or the other, but. And really, I don't know what this has to do with moral relativism other than I feel like sometimes we Well, this would be you making a, an absolute, though, if you say no matter what, you cannot do whatever you want. Like, you cannot be whatever you want or achieve the things that you want, if that's what you're saying. I'm just saying there's some limitations that we have natural limitations. Like, I have... Uh, well, let's take it even further. It's more than just my height. I have a natural limitation of my athletic ability. But do you not think you could become more athletic by training if, like, could you I had get done it at a younger age? If I could or get better, yeah, but still. There's still a level at which – it's like intelligence, I feel like. Yes, you can be – I feel that there's a time that you can read, you can study, you can uh, learn, and but I do feel like – that some people are just – they're just natural abilities. Yeah, I think people have natural, natural talent. Yeah, I mean – Takes mean, them further than it's going to take you. Yeah, I mean, even based on what we would preach, God has given each of us different gifts and talents. So the – I'm kind of – let me bring this back full circle to what we're talking about. <laughs> I really <laughs> have gone down a rabbit trail. I just feel like sometimes we need to live in reality, right? We need – and that's kind of where truth has to be based and not based on the reality of my reality, but the out there outside forces like I didn't my reality. Yeah, is I might think I'm six foot tall, but I'm not. Yeah. And I think what you're saying with those outside forces is I think a lot of times and this is where kind of Christians need to understand is that we're dealing for the most part when we talk about these types of things, we are dealing with an audience or a group of people that may not believe in outside forces true right and so it's like well who who is it that gets to make these rules that there are absolutes right who's the authoritarian that i don't believe and in and not that i'm saying hey i don't think that there aren't absolutes but what i'm mostly saying is that your absolutes are not mine and i think that's where we need that's where ultimately this is coming to is th i think there are uh, like this extreme side of people that are saying no absolutes ever and like you just said with that professor illustration you are making an absolute statement there I think a lot of time what we're going to deal with, though, most of the time what we're going to deal with is someone saying, 
your absolute truth is not the same as my absolute truth. And that's because those outside forces, those things that you believe set the standard, that that God that you believe that that, that sets the moral you know, foundation for how you live your life for a lot of for the most of how this country was founded, even though I think foundationally there was not a lot of things that were lived upon that way that we run into people that are going to say your absolute truth is not my absolute truth. Not saying that there is no absolute truth, but what you believe is absolute. I do not because I do not believe in the force or in the being that sets your standard for what that is. And so as Christians, we need to be kind of ready for that in that the God card is not going to be the ammunition because if they don't believe that there is a God or that there is an outside force. Well, I would say, actually, I'd argue a little bit opposite of you. This is good because we most of the time we agree. Yeah, for the most part. Uh, and I'm not saying we're disagreeing. I think and we're maybe even after you say it, we're may coming I may have said something. Angles, yeah. angles. But I would say, yes, you're right. <coughs> the culture is rejecting. They want to be the absolute truth. That's what we're saying today. Is that as a yeah? Person, we as a collective people decide the, what our the person wants to be the absolute truth. They reject the idea that there would be a moral agent outside of themselves, which we would call God, right? That would impose <coughs> on them truth or mm-hmm. morality, right? Right. But the very fact that someone even has a concept of what is right and what is wrong, like. Yeah, okay. Like this goes back to an episode that we had, I think, season two. Yeah. The very, <coughs> the very yes, Romans 5 and chapter <coughs> 1 will speak that, that we were given right. that gift of God, a moral conscience. Right, and I think you address, like, you don't have to teach your kids how to no, lie or how to did. do things. They just un- naturally did it. Yeah. So, but we also know, like, like I brought up racism. Right. Right. You know, not everyone thought that was wrong in our history. Of course. Not just in America, but all across. Some people argued. Some people were were so for it that they argued biblically that it was okay. Mm -hmm. Racism isn't. And and we know this, but racism isn't just an American problem. It's a world problem. Of course. I mean, it's happening right now in China. Um, Mm -hmm. It's happening in. Nigeria is happening in many parts of Africa, actually. Uh, Rwanda, all these things. So, um, what I, where I was going with that is that, but what makes us know that that is wrong? Right, of course. Killing, we know that killing someone, like, no one says. Oh, I think you should be able to kill whoever you want. Yeah, and I agree with you, but what I, and I guess the point I'm making is I agree with you on the fact that foundationally God has set a moral standard that we kind of know from just natural birth, like w- just being natural beings. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you didn't have to teach your boys how to lie. They just... But to make that statement to someone who believes there is no God, that there is no outside force is like I like what is the argument to that person? Well, but here's here's what I would say is that there <coughs> I, I've met plenty of atheists who live as moral people. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. 
I don't think you have to be Christian to be a mo- live morally. No, I agree. I know I know you're agreeing with me. Um, but they just wouldn't call it God. Right. Right. And that and that I guess that's what I'm saying yeah. is God is not the answer that we necessarily are always going to be able to give to someone like that. Right, but I think we can help in this argument as we talk about helping our culture. And this is really my fear, honestly, as why I wanted to talk about this in a, in a, one of our episodes. Was because my fear is that the church is becoming very susceptible. Oh, for sure. This 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 mentality, this this worldview is creeping into the church, mm-hmm. and quickly. Uh, and and maybe it has in the past, and it just seems like because it's where I live today, and and, and where we I are. I think because it's more popular and widely it's accepted too, we're seeing it's, it more. It's just seeing that this is coming into the church. I'll give you an example. What really. It, it didn't surprise me because, unfortunately, I, I hate to – this sounds so negative to say, but I just feel like I'm not – not that I'm never surprised anymore, but I, I feel like I'm less surprised about things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, how we get on Facebook and we get down the rabbit hole watching videos, you know? Yeah. I watch a lot of apologetic stuff, and I l- watch a lot of Frank Turek stuff and, and you know – other apologists and just stuff that comes up Christian clips and things and this clip you know Facebook they're always trying to match stuff up with you right oh yeah of course the algorithm <laughs> you know they're trying to trying to define you as you know <laughs> you don't know me Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg but anyway so uh, anyway they tried to kind of give me a counterculture view to some of the things <coughs> I was watching and it was an episode, uh, I don't even know, I, I've never even been to this site, I don't know anything about this this Facebook, who posted this video, but it was a an interview with a couple who grew up in a Pentecostal type church, but mm-hmm. they were in church, they were in a couple church, they met, they helped lead worship at their church, they, they met, they fell in love, and then the story goes on <coughs> that, you know, sh- he knew that she struggled with being bisexual. So they began to go, okay, well, this is who she is. This is her truth of Hmm. who she is. Mm -hmm. So they brought another person into the relationship about a year after their marriage. Now, it was the wife, her girlfriend, and her husband. And that was the way they lived. Mm -hmm. So the girl, the wife, is, is it wasn't the husband and the girlfriend together, too. Wasn't polygamous at that point. It was... Wife in the middle, husband on one side, girlfriend in the other. Right. But, you know, they girlfriend also was a professing follower of God, just like the two that were married. She has her first child. After Shortly after the first child, they decide that they're going to become a polygamist. As they called it, this is their term, thruple. <laughs> okay. Right. Now we're redefining terms to meet our moral standard. And that's just that's and this is in the church. I brought that up to see say that this is coming into the church who is supposed to know that God has set a standard standard for us and by us. And just because our feelings or our temptations, I would even say, draw Mm -hmm. us to things that are ungodly doesn't mean that we get to redefine the morality. Right. What was even more disturbing 
as so they said they had a meeting with their pastor of the church that they were serving at. He knew what they were struggling with. He knew that they had brought this other person into their marriage. And instead of challenging the sin, and I know this is going to get flagged because I'm calling sin, I'm making an absolute statement here of morality based on God's morality and his rules and standards. And they went to their pastor, discussed it, got counsel from him. And his statement, according to the interview with them, it wasn't the pastor didn't give the statement. Mm-hmm. They gave their account of the statement. And their account said that their pastor told them, look, our church has not progressed to where you're at. Huh. I encourage you to go find a church that accepts your morality, basically. And that, to me, is deeply disturbing. Yeah. And so as a church, we got to be cautious of this. I know this this podcast is going long now, but, you know, one of the things is, and <laughs> the whole topic of follow your dreams, that I was a dream crusher, really where I was going to go end up with that is that the culture now tells us to follow our heart, just like that story I just shared. Mm-hmm. They would tell that lady, you needed to be true to yourself and follow your heart as a bisexual woman. But the ultimate morality and standard of God says, no, you're being deceived by the enemy and you need to arrest your your sinful thoughts. Right. And and adhere to God's standard of marriage. Right. But instead, she wanted to follow her heart. Of what she knew she needed quote-unquote. And so that is a dangerous place for us. The comment is, follow your heart. If it feels good, do it. If it makes you happy, then, then it can't be bad, right? If it makes us happy, it can't be bad. You know, Bob, um, the guy that I, I was, got Bob Perry says this. He said, but there's a problem with that, and the problem is that the present belief in something that does not conform to reality is called what? Delusion. Mm. So we're starting to live in delusion of things because we keep making up our own moral standards. Going back to the beginning. If I am the moral agent that creates moral relativism, there's no way that I can believe what I can believe and it be true, and you can create your own standard and it be equally as true. Right. Just that just is impossibility. Mm-hmm. Let's look at some word of God before we wrap up. We always want to bring things to the word of God, right? right? So we mentioned Genesis. Genesis six five says this, and this is God's creation falling apart. He says the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention and of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So as we hear the statement, follow your heart, this is the answer of Scripture when it comes to our heart. Like we hear in our culture, follow your dreams, follow your heart. If, it, if, if you believe it feels good, you should do it. If it makes you happy, then it can't be bad. And this is what Scripture says to that statement, mm-hmm. right? That your heart is full of evil is what Genesis tells us about sinful man. Uh, Psalms 10 13 says, why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, 
you will not call to an account. Basically, like, I don't answer to you, God. You know? Uh, Psalm 36, 1. Transgression speaks to the wicked, the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 21, 4. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. And then this one, most of us know uh, and have heard at some point. Um, Jeremiah seventeen nine: The heart is deceitful above all things, and is dep- desperately sick. Who can understand it? This is what God says about the human heart, right? The human soul, I should say, because not the physical heart, the human soul, mm-hmm. is that it goes back to Scripture. We are all sinful beings. We are created <coughs> beings. We are created in God's image, but because of sin, we are separated from God, and we are sinful. And we're born into that sin. The seed of Adam, we're born into that sin. Right. And our, our hearts, unless rescued by Jesus, unless given a new heart, as First sec- uh, Corinthians or Second Corinthians five tells us, unless given a new heart, our heart is sinful. And so, I just want to challenge you, uh, listeners and people watching this podcast. This has been on my heart uh, heavily <coughs> to discuss because we live in this culture. You're going to face people who have moral relativism, who believe that their truth is based on their own morality, and we're gonna, as a Christian culture, as a Christian. I wouldn't even say culture. I would say as Christian followers of Christ, we have to deal with this. We're going to have to learn how to converse and and talk with people who hold these truths because this is is a secular revolution. It's happening in America, at least, and we're going to have to face this, fight this. Um, And I say fight it from a fight of love, right? Not in a way of bashing people with truth, but truth in love. Right. And um, but I, I want to warn us not to fall on the slippery slope of moral relativism in your own life or even to accept it when w- from the people we love and know. Mm-hmm. Because here's what people will do. If you're truth in love and you truly show that person that you're a person who cares for them and loves them, while you can uh, di- disagree, you will have a voice that speaks truth to them versus like you were saying, well, the gospel's offensive and I don't care if you're offensive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I know we've gone a long way and gosh, we really just scratched the surface. I mean, you could, yeah, we could talk on this for days. There's volumes of books written on this. We'll put some resources in the, um, in the show notes so that you can get links to those. And I encourage you to study this more and more. At the very least, go watch the One Minute Apologist. Go watch some of the cross-examined videos that kind of deal with this, and they're going to help you at least get some framework around what we've been talking about today. I hope this challenges you. That's the whole point of our podcast. We want to challenge the way we live as Christians, and we want to challenge what the culture that we live in. And so thank you for joining us for Paradox Culture, Episode three of Season 3. It's been a good episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you like this show, Philip, what do they need to do? Yeah, if you like it, please share it. Maybe send it to a friend. Um, leave comments on our social. And um, and if you don't, 
Keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next episode as we will be revealing the gender of baby Blancardi. Hope you'll <laughs> join us for that. Thank you for watch watching and listening. We love you. Be good. And we'll see you next time.